think the Lord would say unto us, Come with me. Come spend time in my presence, said God. These are the days that I'm pouring out my glory. These are the days that I'm rele releasing waves and waves of my holy angels in the earth. These are the days that my spirit is raising up armies all over the world. And there are some of you who will play a very significant part in this army, saith God. But you need to know my voice. You need to know the assurance that my presence brings to you. You need to know me, even as I'm revealing myself to you through the visions of the night, and even in your day-to-day -day experiences. Do not be surprised at the things that I will be doing in and through your life. For these are little things, saith God. For I am preparing a work in the earth, the likes of which you've never seen before. The likes of which, which will even surpass the things I've done in the past. For I am a great God, and I will say what I need to say, and I will demonstrate what needs to be manifested. The enemy will not have the last word. I will have the last word, saith God. For I am Lord of heaven and earth, saith the Lord. So do not be so tied up and tangled with day-to-day -day activities. Make some time with me, saith God, that you might know me and that you might begin to experience the things that I am revealing in the earth today, saith the Lord. Praise be to God. We are grateful that we can come before the Lord our God and once again hear from His Holy Word. See, one of the, the privileges that we have, especially in the New Testament today, is that God has given us His Holy Word. For us, Christianity is not a guessing game. Not only does the Word of God tell us who Jesus is. There was a Pentecostal minister, uh, I believe his name was Smith Wigglesworth, he says, I can't know God by my experiences, I can't know God by my mind, but I can know Him by what He says about Himself, okay? How do we know that God is love? He tells us in His Word. How do we know that the promises of God are for us? He tells us in His Word. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen? We can know God through His Holy Word. We can know about the promises of God, what God has promised to do for us. I mean, we, we don't have to guess, okay? We're living through troubled times. We're living at a time where things are going on in Europe, things are going on in Israel, uh, and then we have the threat coming to the Philippines, okay? It's affecting the economy. So the Word of God tells us that in times of danger, the Lord is our refuge and our fortress, okay? That He has given His angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. We, we, we find out in a time where the peso is now 50. For dollar earners, that's a great thing. It's going up. But for, for peso earner, earners, that's not such a great thing. Okay? But we know the Word of God tells us He supplies our every need, our needs, according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we are grateful that God has given us His Holy Word. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, okay? Because we begin to find out what God is willing to do for us, what God has promised us. And because we know what God has promised us, we don't have to worry, we don't have to guess, we don't have to uh, 
try to imagine different scenarios. But all we need to do is put our mind on what God has spoken to us. Amen? And so we are grateful for the Word of God. And today, as we listen to the Word of God this day, basically there's going to be a lesson I'd like uh, to talk to you about. Many things that I'd like to talk to you about is this. Only as we submit to Christ's Lordship will we find rest. Only as we submit to Christ's Lordship will we find rest. Okay? Now understand, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? But the question is, is He your Lord? How many of you, Jesus Christ is your Savior? You believe that because what Jesus Christ has done for you, the price for our sin has been paid for by Him. And because we trust Him, we put our faith and our trust in Him as our Savior, then praise be to God, we have received forgiveness, we have received eternal life, we have received the support of God our Father while we are staying on the earth, and we receive the promise of heaven one day. Amen? So you believe He's your Savior, right? Now how many of you, besides Him being your Savior, Jesus Christ is your Lord. See, Lordship means that you submit everything to Him. You submit your will to the will of Jesus. That means if there's something that you believe in. You know, growing up, we develop all kinds of principles. Okay? And sometimes, the principles that we've learned from our environment goes against the principles of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if Jesus Christ is our Lord, we don't argue with God. We don't say to God, God, uh, I know that this is what this is what you say, but uh, it's kind of hard to, to do this. So, I'm sorry, I'll submit to you the other things, but when it comes to this, I can't submit. You understand what I'm saying? Lordship means, Lord, I will submit to you. I will change my principle to your principle. Okay? I mean, growing up, my parents came from an experience in World War II. Okay? Uh, my, my mom, when I'm at home, will tell me what my Lola, bless her heart, bless her soul, it's departed, she's departed now, would do during the Japanese occupation. How they would look for food and, and what they would need to do to make sure that the future of, of, of the family would be secure, especially they, they, they believe that one day the, 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 uh, the war would end and that we would no longer be under Japanese occupation. They did what they did in order to survive. Okay? And so because they came from that environment, they developed some kind of principle that in this world you have to put yourself first. Make sure you are secure first. You understand what I'm saying? They came from that environment where they needed to survive. They needed to fight in order to survive. Okay? So they developed that particular uh, frame of mind, we need to put ourselves first before we help others. But then, we come to the Word of God. 
The word of God says, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. This is something I needed to change in my life. Before, uh, you know, when I was a young kid growing up, my Lolo, my Lola, my uncles, my mom would tell me, finish your education, go abroad, earn dollars, live the American dream. That was my dream, because that was what was planted into me. Okay? But then, one day, you know, I'd given my life to the Lord, and I was looking through the Holy Scriptures. And I felt the Lord calling me. And I saw from the Holy Scriptures, it says there, you know, if anyone wants to follow me, he has to leave these things first, and then follow the Lord. I told some of them that, and they told me, look, let's work out a compromise. Okay, you really want to serve God that way? Okay. Why don't you go to the U.S. first? That's what they told me. Work there. And then after seven to ten years, if you still want to uh, follow the call of God in your life, then come back and do that. The problem with that, I already knew. If I went there to work for seven, ten years, I would never want to go back. You understand what I'm saying? I would lose my fire. I would lose my vision concerning the call of God in my life. Hello? So there, there, there are changes you need to do because Jesus Christ is your Lord, okay? And basically, when we submit to him, sometimes we think, what a great sacrifice this is. But later on in life, you begin to find out it's not a sacrifice. You're not the one trying to chart your course. You're letting God chart your course. And because you are obeying God, you have God's resources, you have God's help, you've got God behind your back. And you find out life is not as hard as they paint it to be. You are refreshed when you follow the Lord our God, even when things become very difficult. Uh, and, and how can it be not easy? Because you're not following a dictator. You're not following a Pharaoh God. Okay? You are following a God who totally loves you. Now, we've heard uh, the first reading. Uh, the first reading is from the Song of Solomon. We've often said that the Word of God is God's love letter to us, right? No? It's not a hate letter, that's for sure, okay? But of all the books of the Holy Scriptures, the Song of Solomon is really a love letter. Because it kind of, God uses our language. It's like an exchange between a lover and, and, and another person, okay? It uses language that is passionate, all right? It's the one book in the Holy Scriptures that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I said, God, and every time I read this, I understand the concept. I just can't relate. 
because it shows things from the point of view of the girl, of the woman whom the beloved loves very much. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I said, Lord, I understand what you say. I just can't relate. I'm not a girl. Okay? Because she expresses her passion for her lover. And the Lord uses language also, at least in this particular scripture, to express his love and his yearning for us. Okay? For example, let's go first to the Song of Solomon. Okay? I need to conquer my fears. <laughs> or conquer my discomfort. Alright? Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 89. Take note what it says. This is the Shulamite woman. I mean, you know, you, you, you don't have to guess. It's written like a script. It says the Shulamite. The Shulamite woman. This is what she said. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. Okay? There you go, he's saying, I'm hearing the voice of my beloved. And, and she's talking about a girl who is so in love with, with the guy who loves her also. And he says, uh, she says this, I hear his voice. They know he says, he's leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Okay? This is a guy who's rushing to be in the presence of his girl. Okay? I mean, I've heard one parent say, you know, when every time we call our son, he procrastinates, he says, hey, I'll be there. Don't worry. I'll be, it takes a long time for him to be there. Then his girlfriend texts him, he's there. And you understand what I'm saying? He drops everything and he's there. See, this is a picture of how Christ loves his bride. Okay? Uh, we are the bride of Christ. For a woman, that's an okay picture with you. Right? It's hard for me to identify as a bride. You understand what I'm saying? But because that's the word that the Lord uses, then okay, I'm accepting that by faith. But take note how he talks, how she talks about him. She says, she, he is my beloved. And take note, he says here, he comes leaving. He rushes towards her. You understand what I'm saying? He's not procrastinating. He's not taking his time. He's not trying to be cool. I don't have to call her, but I need to be cool, you know. I, I don't want her to know that I'm really longing to call. No, he's not trying to be cool. He's excited, very emotional, coming to her. This is what the Lord is wanting us to see about him and us. This is how he feels about us. We want to see the Lord's second coming, right? He wants it to. But he says here, as uh, she says here, he's looking through the windows, gazing at another. I mean, have you ever seen someone look at you? And that person, you know, likes you very much? I mean, he, she's saying, he's looking at me with such yearning. He's longing. 
Are you, are you getting what I'm telling you? Okay? This is what she's saying. The way he looks at me, I'm blushing. I'm turning red. Because when he looks at me, it's like there's nobody there except me. This is God. Remember that song David wrote? What is mad that you are mindful of him? Your mind is full of man. Okay, you're so lovestruck, okay? Now you have to understand that God is never out of control. It's not like humans, because of passion, we begin to lose our control and things like that. God is never out of control. But he uses language that we might understand that his love for us is strong. His love for us is magnetic. His love for us is not something that he can just set aside. This is how much God loves us. And then in verse, uh, from verse uh, uh, 10 to 13, this is what he says. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love. See, this is, imagine God speaking this way to us, rise up, my love. She's saying, this is what he's telling me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Now, you, you have to understand, the Shulamite woman says in another chapter, how can you look at me like that? I am dark-skinned, and I am swarthy. In other words, my complexion cannot compete with Rosanna Roses. And it's not what I'm saying. Dark because the sun is burning me. I go out and I bring the water and it burns me. I don't have a smooth complexion. I'm not that beautiful. But it doesn't matter to God. He doesn't see us the way our friends see us. He doesn't see us even the way we see ourselves. He sees us in a much more greater way. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, come away, my beloved, my fair one. He calls her beautiful, even though she says, I'm not. You have to understand. We, are, we were sinful people. But because of what Jesus Christ did, the blood of Christ cleanses us. We are no longer dirty. We are now righteous in him. Amen? Are you getting this? And, and, and he says, verse 11, and lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flower appears on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. You know what winter is? We don't know what winter is. We only have two seasons in the Philippines, hot and wet, right? In other countries, they have four seasons. They have winter, and when winter comes, things get very cold. Uh, the trees, they lose their leaves. The flowers, uh, they hide. Because things get very, very cold. Okay? Uh, there's ice, there's cold, there's no warmth. People want to go inside a house where there is warmth. And she's saying the winter is past. Jesus ends our winter and brings us to an eternal springtime. Springtime is when the flowers begin to bloom. 
Springtime is when the trees are filled with leaves. Springtime is when the color of the earth begins to come out. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? How many of you appreciate nature? I mean, you go and you see the sunset, you take pictures, you see the sun, you take pictures. You see, this earth was created according to God's taste. You understand what I'm saying? Earth is a shadow of heaven. No matter how beautiful the earth is, heaven surpasses this. I've read accounts of testimonies of people have gone to heaven and have come back, okay? So far, I like everything they say. But there is only one disadvantage I could see of people going to heaven and being able to come back. People who go to heaven and see the colors of heaven when they come back to earth, they say, the earth is so drab and colorless. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, right? At least for us. But for them, we've seen the real thing. Uh, somebody who was a nature lover went to heaven. Then when he come, came back, he says, I couldn't enjoy the earth anymore the way I used to because I've seen the real thing. It's much more beautiful there. The colors are like... There are colors there that are not found here. You understand? And one day we will be there, right? Because of this God who loves us. All right. I'm trying to paint a picture to you of a God who loves you. See, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to have faith in God, he's not telling us to have faith in a God who's kind of distant from us. Okay? He's not telling us to have faith in a God whom we have to impress so that we can gain his attention. You understand what I'm saying? He's not a God who uh, we wish when we come to him, he's, a good, he's in a good mood so that we can present our needs before him. He's not a God who considers us a disruption, a disturbance, or an annoyance whenever we come to him. But rather, he's a God who waits for us in our prayer room. He's a God who longs for us. And when our prayer time with God is coming to an end, he's a God who says, can you extend it five minutes more? You understand what I'm saying? This is the God that Jesus Christ says we are to put our trust in. We can trust a God who loves us, right? We can trust in Him. And when He tells us certain things, we don't have to be scared. Maybe He wants to take this away, you know. He has no hidden agenda that will hurt us. Our God, our Father, only loves us. And you have to understand, He pays attention to the to the conversation that we have in our hearts. Have you ever seen something on television or maybe you saw while you were going out, you were visiting places, and you said, wow, that's a really nice house. One day I wish if I could get some money, I could have a house like this. 
It's something that you say only to yourself, right? Because it sounds so ridiculous. Do you know that he pays attention to this desires? And he will try to make it come to pass for you in this life. But if you do not receive it, you will see it in the next life. You understand what I'm saying? Because I believe God gets a little bit frustrated because people don't receive what he has. See, it's not a matter of God not giving. Our God is a giver. According to the Holy Scriptures, daily he loads us with benefits. Daily, he loads us with benefits. In the prayer that Jesus Christ taught us, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He tells us, pray every day for what you need. You understand what I'm saying? God has always fresh manna that he wants to give to us. That's the kind of God he is. He never gets tired of taking care of us every day. He never gets weary of us petitioning him. He never gets annoyed whenever we come to him. We, we may come to him once a day. Or, you know, some, I come to him more than once a day. He never gets annoyed. Do you understand what I'm saying? He never says, I keep seeing your face every time. Get away from my face. Give me a vacation. Give me a break. No, he never says that. He longs for us. He loves our company more than we love his company. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello. Okay, we need we need to see that church, and uh, this will make more sense when we begin to read this because uh, in, in in our in in our lesson for the let me just go through this quickly. Uh, there are basically three things I'd like to share with you from verse 16 to 19. This principle: Do not refuse to follow Christ. Do not refuse to follow Christ. Okay. The second uh, principle I'd like to share with you, we'll come back to that later, the first one, from verse 25 to 27, is this. Let us be childlike and humble when we come to Christ. Let us be childlike and humble when we come to Christ. And then uh, uh, the third thing, I'm basing this on verse 28 to 30, submission to Christ's lordship is not a burden, but a refreshing. Submission to Christ's Lordship is not a burden, but a refreshing. Okay, let's go back to the first one. Don't refuse to follow Christ, okay? In, in, in verse 16, uh, let me just read this, okay? But to what shall I like in this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance, and we mourned to you, and you did not lament. He's saying, that the generation that he was talking to, okay, especially the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the day, were so proud, they did not want to follow what the Spirit of God was doing. He was comparing them to little children who, who thought they were superior than others, and because they were superior than others, they're thinking they're much better than others, and why aren't we going to join your game? We're much better than you, okay? He said, you won't mourn during our funerals. So maybe we thought you like happy occasions, but then we have a wedding 
you won't even dance during weddings. You understand what I'm saying? These people feel so superior that they will not join in what the Lord is telling them to do. They did not enjoy when John the Baptist gave them the serious message of repentance. If you want to follow God, repent, turn to the Lord. You, I mean, John the Baptist was very serious, okay? So maybe some of them did not like that. They did not want to be baptized by him. But then Jesus Christ comes along and teaches uh, a message of love, of freedom, of acceptance. The Father loves you. You go into the inner room. The Father is waiting for you there. And then he would join parties. And instead of being complimented, he was criticized. You're a glutton. You're a friend of drunkards. So whether it's a happy message or a serious message, they have no acceptance. They don't like either. You understand what I'm saying? And in other words, he's saying, what can I tell you? I'm telling you about this. You don't like it. This is a happy message I'm bringing to you. You don't like it. John the Baptist gives you a serious message. You don't like it. You don't like the seriousness. You don't like the happy. What kind of kids are you? They did not want the terms that God gave to them. They wanted God to give things according to what they wanted. They were proud. They think they have superior standing, superior position, superior intellect, and they refuse to join in what the Lord was doing. And the Lord is saying, don't imitate people who think they're so special, who think they're so intelligent, who think they're so gifted, but they will not join in what I'm doing. You understand what I'm saying? Do not refuse the Lord. Amen? Hello? Do not refuse him. When the Lord heard, uh, when the Lord impressed in my heart for me to go into the ministry, I thought that would be the end of my traveling dreams. So I gave it up. I said, Lord, okay, no problem. If it means I'll never leave the Philippines again, <laughs> that's okay. You have me. You got me. You have me. Well, I find out he's got a much wider plan for me. I enjoy being able to travel and minister to others. Amen? So don't refuse. See, when God tells you to do something, don't be suspicious. Why is he telling me to do this? Why is he telling me to go there? Why is he telling me to drop this? Don't be suspicious. Because the one who's telling you that is the God who is head over heels in love with you. Amen? He rushes to you. He pursues you. But the pursuer wishes that we would pursue him also. That's why he says, seek my face. Amen? I mean, when you seek him, it's not hard to find him. He's not hiding from us. He's rushing towards us. He's speaking to us. God loves you as if you're the only one who's there. Amen? Hello? Okay. Don't. Okay, so he says, uh, you know, uh, 
he says, he's telling us through his passage scripture, don't be like that. Do not refuse to follow Christ. The second thing from verse 25 to 27, he wants us to be childlike and humble when we come to him. 25, 26, and he says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it is seen good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. In other words, what he's saying is this, we should be childlike in, in our faith concerning God. We should be humble when we come before God. We don't come to God and say, Lord, I know a lot of things. What do you think can you tell me? No, that should never, ever, ever be our attitude before Him. Okay? According to the Holy Scriptures, God resists the... Okay? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See? He appreciates it when we come to him in a humble manner. Not, God, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know how many people I command under me? Do you know how much land I own? God's not impressed. He created everything. So when we come to God, we have to be humble before him. Okay? You have to understand, God is not against people with big possessions. He's not against you using your intellect. The problem with many Christians, they don't use their head at all, okay? It, God is not saying that you should not be good ac academically. But what he's saying is, be good in this and submit these things to God. St. Paul was brilliant as a scholar. He was intelligent. One day he realized, I must submit my intelligence before God. And he used his skills in writing out epistles as he was guided by the Spirit of God. He said, I could have all knowledge. He says, among the Pharisees, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Among the top people, I was number one. I was ahead of all my batch. I was the first among equals. But all of these things I set aside. I understand I have to learn many things from God. Understand what I'm saying? He never stopped being intelligent, but he used his intelligence for God. Joseph of Arimathea had possessions. He had his new, uh, he had his tomb. Instead, he gave that to Jesus when Jesus Christ died. Well, are you learning something from this? Okay? So he's, he's not saying, don't use your hand. He's not saying, don't use your skills. He's not saying, don't use your intellect. Don't. No, he's saying, use them for God's glory. Submit these things to God. He's saying, if God tells you something and what you've learned, what the academies, what the, 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 the colleges, what the universities told you different from that, you have to accept what God's saying. We are living in an age where science is supposed to be everything. And they're saying the reason why everything is like this is because of evolution. We came from monkeys. When God said he created the first man, he didn't create him a monkey. And people said, 
creationism, that's for kids. You know? We're sophisticated right now. We have higher levels of intelligence right now. Demons, we don't believe in demons. We know about germs and bacteria. <laughs> we have psychiatrists for things like that. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? To be childlike, Lord, this is what I learned, but this is what you're saying. Okay, between what I've learned and what you're saying, I choose to believe in what you're saying. And the more you begin to act according to what God is saying, the more you begin to know Him. So he says, nobody knows the Father except me. And nobody knows the Son except the Father. Think about Jesus while He was growing, while He was still a child. The father chose uh, Saint Joseph to become his earthly father. And while Jesus Christ was growing, Saint Joseph would bring him to the shop. He would teach him the kind of tools that he's using, what this tool is used for, how it's done. He would tell them how to make things, okay? He would continue to grow, and later on they became partners. Later on, St. Joseph and Jesus would start thinking alike where carpentry was involved. If someone says, I need a, a, a table because we're going to have a banquet, they'd be probably thinking the same thing. This is the kind of table we will make. This is the kind of wood we will be getting it from. These are the kind of tools. I mean, because St. Joseph and Jesus spent a lot of time as father and son, Jesus knew everything that he knew. When he grew old, Joseph's knowledge concerning carpentry became his knowledge concerning carpentry. Then one day, St. Joseph died. Right? And someone would say, we're preparing our household for renovation. I wish your father Joseph was here. He could give me good advice. And Jesus would tell him, he doesn't need to be here to give you good advice. I know exactly what my dad would tell you concerning your house. Joseph knew him and he knew Joseph. And now expand that to the father and the son. Expand that to yourself and the son as you continually walk with God. See, it's not just hearing the teaching. It's learning to walk by the teaching of God. But you begin to know God. Amen? You're learning something from this. Okay? Okay, lastly, let me end this quickly. And this is our favorite scriptures that we have. Okay? Uh, Submission to Christ's Lordship isn't a burden, but a refreshing. From verse 28 to 30, it says, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, on you and learn from me for I am gentle and loaded heart and you will find rest in your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light see one of the advantages of following God he just doesn't tell us to do things he helps us to do them okay to take on the yoke is to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ but then if Jesus Christ is your Lord your problems become his problems. When you are under severe spiritual attack, 
your Lord becomes your deliverer. When you are suffering from symptoms of sickness and pain, and it looks like you're never going to get healed, your Lord is going to be your healer. When the dollar goes up, or rather the peso goes up, and it seems like things are getting hard, your Lord becomes your provider. When things become confusing, your Lord becomes your guide, your leader, your shepherd, who leads you to the valley of darkness. It becomes easy. I was just talking to someone, you know, they, they, it's a friend from abroad. I love this couple. They were going through a divorce right now. And uh, the lady who was supposed to be devastated was just turning her attention to the Lord. And she didn't sound desperate. She didn't sound shattered. She just said, you know, even if my husband doesn't love me anymore, at least I know I have a shepherd who will never leave me, who will never abandon me, and will continue to love me. It doesn't break your will. It doesn't shatter your circumstances. When you're under the Lordship of Christ, instead of burdens, you find refreshing. Amen? Later on, we will say, Peace of the Lord be always with you, and you say, and also with you. You know what peace of the Lord is? Shalom. It means the fullness of the blessing of God as a result of you living under the rule and the reign of God. Because you have made Jesus your Lord, you have access to all the blessings of God Almighty. That's what peace means, shalom, wholeness, fullness. It's not just the absence of conflict. It is the provision, access to the provision and the blessing of God Almighty. So therefore, what the Lord is teaching us, don't run away from it. Submit yourself to his Lordship. You will find refreshing for yourselves. Amen? I'm you learned something today. Praise God, it's all spent. Great.